Section 21 of The Wonder Garden. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jenna Rose. The Wonder Garden by Francis Jenkins Olcott. In the Rose Bower with the Rose Queen. Queen Rose. I will not have the mad Clitie whose head is turned by the sun. The tulip is a courtly queen, whom therefore I will shun. The cowslip is a country wench, the violet is a nun. But I will woo the dainty rose, the queen of every one. Thomas Hood Cupid in the wild rose-heart Then came we to great breaths of shady wood, And him the boy, the son of Venus fair, The apple-rosy love we found within. No arrow-bearing quiver, no bent bow was by him. High and heavy foliage trees they hung. And he the while lay chained in sleep, Embosomed in Rose's heart of hearts, And sleeping smiled. And all around his head, And all around his honey-dripping lips, Murmured the yellow workers of the hive. Plato Adventures of Cupid among the Roses Retold from Anacreon, Moscus, Lucian, And other sources. 1. Naughty Little Cupid the most mischievous of all the dwellers in Jupiter's shining palace on Mount Olympus was little Cupid, rosy, dimpled, and laughing, with bright hair floating around his shoulders and small wings fluttering. He flew about, shooting tiny darts at all whom he met, and whoever felt the prick of one of his darts straight away fell in love. The naughty little boy did not spare even the greatest among the dwellers on Mount Olympus. Laughing with glee, he aimed at the heart of Jupiter himself. Then he turned his bow against Apollo of the Golden Beams and grim Pluto, king of Hades. He even shot a sharp but tender little dart into the breast of his mother, Venus the Beautiful. "'Naughty boy!' cried Venus in anger. "'Unless you stop such goings-on, I will break your bow and quiver or clip your wings.' But Cupid would not listen, and still flew about, slyly shooting at all whom he met. Though his mother caught him by his small wings, and whipped him with her sandal and with myrtle-rods, and even bound his eyes with a fillet, quickly forgetting his punishment, he flew away again to find other hearts to wound. Do. Red Roses of Nectar At first roses were all white. This is how they came red. Cupid loved the white roses and played among them in the meadows of earth, where they grew large and fragrant. Sometimes he wreathed them into garlands for his head, sometimes he chased the butterflies that alighted on their petals, and sometimes he curled himself up to sleep in the heart of a big open rose. Yes, Cupid loved the white roses better than any other flowers. Now it happened one day that all the dwellers on Mount Olympus were feasting together, and Cupid was carrying Jupiter's golden cup filled with fragrant red nectar. The naughty boy held the cup so carelessly that he spilled a few drops. They fell on some white roses, and the flowers immediately foamed up in wreaths of bright red roses. That is how red roses first came. 3. How pansies came colored. Next to red and white roses, Cupid loved the gleaming purple and golden-faced pansies. And this is how they came colored. At first all pansies were milk-white. So they were, until one day when Cupid aimed a tiny dart at Diana of the bended bow. Now, of all the dwellers of Mount Olympus, the most stately and cold-hearted was Diana. She loved nobody and cared for nothing but hunting. With her feet thrust in buskins, her robe tucked up for speed, a quiver on her back and a bow in her hand, she rushed over the hills and through the woods, chasing the flying game, while behind her ran all her pretty nymphs armed with bows and arrows. So one day naughty Cupid, who wished to see cold-hearted Diana love somebody, shot a tiny dart at her. 
It just grazed her skin and, falling to earth, struck the heart of a milk-white pansy. Ever since then, pansies have been stained a gleaming rich purple and gold. 4. Why Venus liked doves But Cupid liked to play more than he did to carry about cups of nectar. Indeed, he liked to sit on the back of a dolphin and rush through the green sea waves, or to climb trees, or to borrow pan's syrinx and breathe sweet music through it. But more than all, he delighted to play at soldier, and march around with a helmet on his golden hair, a pike over his shoulder, and a buckler on his arm. Quite often he romped with his mother Venus, she holding high her bow and quiver, while he jumped to catch it. Sometimes, too, they took little baskets and went into the meadows to gather roses and yellow crocuses. Now, one day Venus took Cupid and her maid, the little nymph Peristera, to gather flowers. Around Venus's head circled a whole host of chirping sparrows, and wherever she stepped a carpet of bright blossoms sprang up under her feet. "'Come, my mother,' cried Cupid, "'let us make a wager and see who can pick the most flowers.' So they made a wager. Cupid worked very hard, scratching his tiny hands on thorns and bruising his little bare feet on stones, but at last he had an armful of blossoms, all that he could carry. But his mother Venus had a great many more than he. Soon Cupid found out why his mother had so many more. The little nymph Peristera had helped her pick them. So he changed the sly little maid into a dove. That is why Venus always had doves as well as sparrows flying around her head, and why she liked to hear them bill and coo. 5. Venus's Looking Glass Now, Venus had a wonderful mirror that made anyone who gazed into it look beautiful, no matter how ugly he really was. One day she lost it in a meadow, and a silly shepherd lad with a frightfully ugly countenance picked it up. But no sooner did he glance into it than he appeared so handsome to himself that he fell in love with his own looks. So he kept on gazing and gazing so rapturously that he did not hear Cupid come winging his way to find his mother's mirror. When Cupid saw it in the silly man's hands and caught a glimpse of the grimaces he was making at himself in the glass, he snatched it away and broke it into a thousand glittering pieces that fell among the grasses. And each tiny bit of the mirror became a lovely bright blossom, bell-shaped, and so brilliant that it seemed to reflect the sunbeams. Cupid called the plant on which these blossoms grew Venus's looking-glass, and you may find it in the flower-garden today, standing near the roses. 6. Cupid's Darts at first Cupid had only a tiny bow and quiver, but no darts. His mother Venus, who dearly loved her little son in spite of his naughty tricks, wished to give him a new plaything, so she decided to ask her husband, Vulcan the smith, to make him some darts. Now Vulcan lived in his forge in a cavern under the roots of Mount Etna. There the flames roared upward, and the noise of his hammer, anvil, and bellows was heard night and day. So Venus, in her car drawn by doves, flew down to Mount Etna and entered the cavern. When Vulcan knew what she wanted, he laid aside the gold and silver dogs he was making for King Alcinous, and fashioned some tiny darts just the size for Cupid's bow. Now, Venus did not wish her little son to kill anyone, so she dipped the points of the darts in honey. But Cupid shyly dipped them in gall. After that they could wound, though they could not kill. Then the naughty little boy hung garlands of fresh roses around his neck, put a crown of them on his head, and flew down to earth. There he wandered about, riding on the back of a fierce lion that at his touch grew tame as a dove. As he rode about he shot at every one that passed by, both young men and maidens, and whoever felt the prick of his darts straight away fell in love. This is why Cupid's darts wound the heart but do not slay. 7. Lost, lost. 
Now, while Cupid was riding about on his tame lion, wounding young men and maidens with his honey and gall-tipped darts, his mother Venus missed him from the shining palace on Mount Olympus. Wringing her white hands, she ran to and fro, looking for him everywhere. "'Lost, lost, my child!' she cried. "'To him who finds my little boy and brings him safely home, I will give kisses three. "'But let whoever searches for him beware. "'Cupid's voice is honey-sweet, while his heart is full of gall. "'Bright are his clustering curls, but a brighter quiver hangs upon his back. "'His hands are tiny, but very far can they shoot his wound-giving darts. "'Like a winged bird he flutters up and down, "'nestling in the hearts of young men and maidens. "'He holds a little bow and an arrow ever ready to fly.' But most dangerous of all, he grasps a small flaming torch. If you find him, catch him, hold him, bind him. If you see him weep, do not pity him. Hold him very fast. If he offers to kiss you, flee, for his kisses burn like fire. Lost, lost, my child, my child. 8. Cupid Punished Thus cried his mother Venus, and getting into her car drawn by doves, she flew down to earth. There among the roses she found poor little Cupid weeping bitterly. Wringing his tiny hands, he ran to meet her. "'I'm lost, I'm lost, my mother,' he cried. "'And oh, oh, I'm dying. See my finger? I lay down to sleep in a big rose heart and a little snake. A bee, they call it, stung me. Oh, oh, how it hurts. I'm dying.' "'Naughty boy, mischievous child,' said his mother, smiling. "'If a bee sting hurts you so much, tell me, how much do the hearts suffer that you so cruelly wound with your darts? 9. Why Roses Have Thorns Then, to comfort her little son, Venus caught all the buzzing bees that were sipping honey from the roses, and strung them on Cupid's bowstring, like a chain of brown and yellow beads. Then she took the bees' sharp stings and placed them along the stem of the very rose in whose heart Cupid had been sleeping. That is why roses have thorns, so the wonder story says. End of section 21 Recording by Jenna Rose